The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, idiom Wolfpack. This is failure to stop. This is Earth's number one platform where police meet society and culture. You can find us everywhere. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us all over the place, wherever you find us. So hit subscribe, hit like, leave us in a five-star review. Failure to Stop is a full family of podcasts. On Monday, you got Uncuffed with J. Darrell White and Tuesday's Mystery and Mayhem to keep you awake all night with Andrea Update Up Late and Night Shift on Wednesday. <laughs> On Wednesday, Deadleg, mute your mic. On Wednesday, you get all the news that you need from Deadleg. Then on Thursday, it's Failure to Stop's Com Center with Drew Breezy. That's where you're at right now. And then Friday, the big show, the OG show, the one that started it all. Failure to Stop, big break, big break, case down. Ooh. Big, big case, big dick case breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday. Drew, how the hell are you doing? I'm having a hard time already. Well, if that... If that's the kind of uh, intro I'm going to get. Didn't you say we were going to have a clean episode and I ruined it exactly two minutes and 39 seconds? Oh, no, yeah, we're 240 into it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was going to announce that. I was just going to try to do it, but we'll, but we'll see what happens. I what mean, a Freudian uh, slip. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, you know, it's an eternal gaze that you and I have where we're just kind of looking into each other's Do you mind if I lens. acknowledge some people in the chats? Because I don't normally do that. Do I want to what? I'm sorry. I want to acknowledge the people in the chats. We got David oh. J in the chats. He gave us a uh, a super chat last week. We couldn't acknowledge because we couldn't see it last week. Thank you, David. <laughs> Micah is always is in the chats. April Schaefer 2.0, much better over April Schaefer 1.0. Teresa is here tonight. Dead leg is here haunting us with his eternal presence. Elizabeth G. Carter, who's kind of a new face around here. Elizabeth, hello. I don't know if you came on recently. I have a suspicion that you kind of came on maybe a week or two ago. If you're new to the Wolf Pack, welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us tonight. Will Cray, hello. Way up there in uh, Minnesota. How are you doing tonight? Hope things are going okay over at the, the Mexican restaurant you work at, El Loro. Uh, Falk Narrator, how's it going tonight, Foxy? Abby Ellsworth from On Being a Police Officer is here. Howdy, gang. Thanks for joining us tonight on Com Center. Drew, how are you doing tonight? Uh, the second time you asked. I'm doing great. Uh, maybe you didn't ask before, but maybe I'll just offer while you take a sip of something. But um, listen, I, I got, uh, and this was announced or this was memorialized on um, <clears throat> the other show. What's that show on Tuesday nights with... Uh, Andrea update. Oh, night shift. Oh, we're going to address my permanent record. Okay. Yeah. It said, uh, that I, I got, uh, Liz Marie. Is, Did you get that uh, box somebody... I sent you? No. When? Did you want to open it up live on the air? <laughs> it's funny because this right, is exactly the type of thing that Liz Marie is talking about. Everything. Everyone is suspicious of you, John. If you are suspicious of John, I need you to put a number one in the chat. And if you're not suspicious of John, you may also put a number one in the chat. It said, I think John had us all convinced you were lost at sea forever. Oh, no, I'm lost it for a second. Uh, sea forever. So we could get used to him doing comm center forever. He, he's kind of like the wife who kills her husband for the insurance money. So you may want to put that in your failure to stop file just in case anything tragic like that would happen. That way, 
they know who to look at in the event of your untimely passing. And please make Tansy aware. Uh, I did tell her that was an incredible idea. She said uh, that she took it upon her uh, law and order SVU skills to report it to Tansy uh, just in case I was uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable for victims to come forward sometimes. And I don't know that I would have. Uh, but thank you for doing that for me. And uh, it is forever memorialized on this show. So if you see John's um, somewhat uh, snarky grin uh, taking over this show in solo fashion, and he doesn't have a good excuse as to where I am, and someone please ask questions and uh, don't take John's uh, answer as the gospel. I mean, uh, for God's sakes, he said that I was uh, that I was overboard that I was lost at sea, which is factually slightly inaccurate. I did have to fight a shark. I did. Uh, I was at sea. I did uh, frolic with dolphins, and um, I did make it back on the boat after, uh, well, I mean, you know, just using my own charm and brute force. So uh, I get it. I, I do see him overthrowing like a little coup, perhaps, uh, I might he, go a little he, January 6th on you, but I want to say this to Liz. Using my Law & Order, the original series, detective skills, I deduced that Drew should have been reading your passage in a heavy Southern Kentuckian accent. And also, I want to let you know that Drew is the sole beneficiary of all of my insurance. So if anyone has motive around here to kill anyone, it would yeah. probably be him. Because he knows that as soon as he gets rid of me... He gets 10-8 memes or somebody decent in here who doesn't say dick within the first five seconds of being on the air. Right. Next, like, like, next thing you know, Drew has a show on like TV or whatever's bigger than us. So yeah, we we take over Law and Order SVU and and I get like six grand in uh insurance money. So um <clears throat> whatever. I mean the fact that he looks like Fidel Castro six, at the moment does, six doesn't grand. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I think you're worth it. You know, I don't know why the, the life insurance company did it an, an actual appraisal before they, 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 gave, did. Before they, they did. gave me my amount. I have rarely been appraised by a life insurance company. <laughs> right. Yep. Not as much, uh, not not replacement value of my uh, of my car, but. I think $6,000 is what it would cost to build me from scratch. I think that's, <laughs> that's, I, that's yeah, about we, what my worth is. So We could get used parts from China. Probably. Um, yeah, so I, th there's nothing uh, else uh, outstanding. I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, I was taken a little aback by my uh, temper tantrum on the last show that uh, was just blowing off a lot of steam and decided that I was a little harsh uh, language-wise. So I'm just going to take a a uh, sabbatical uh, just in case uh, young people are listening because, you know, we had a 12 year old listening last week and uh, you know, it was kind of like he was in a, uh, in the Teamsters pub in uh, South Boston. So um, yeah. try blowing off steam like a regular person, Drew, which for most people isn't live on the internet. So, well, <laughs> most, but most people, and, and uh, we, we all know that that's what makes me, me. Uh, I'm not most people and I don't want to be most people. Um, anywho, uh, what, what's going on with you, John? Uh, I know that you took, uh, probably one of the, uh, I was going to say most classic 911 calls today. And I want to hear all classic. about it. I took the stupidest 911 call of my whole life, but I don't know if I could share because like, I don't know if you've noticed in the past 25 episodes, I've actually never talked about anything specific from my job. No. Oh. Have you been fired? <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible that like, you know, uh, I'm a card attendant at Costco, but I guess if you can't get a membership there, they're not going to let you work there either. So yeah, that's um, 
someone got, dialed 91 today because there was a typo on a website. <laughs> uh, they dialed 91 because they assumed because they saw a typo that their computer had been hacked, which even if your computer's hacked and like your, you know, all of your sensitive information is being downloaded to China in real time, maybe that's still not a case for a rural 911 dispatcher. A small, small town country 911 dispatcher is not going to have the CSI cyber division, you know, launched out to your house to go, you know, unplug your computer from the wall or whatever you would need to do to stop right. that from happening. Um, but yeah, uh, they, they, the, the typo was a zip code that they were seeing on a page and like, is this a legitimate zip code? And I, I want it, you know, it's so hard because I got such a mouth on me, as you all know, but I, I just wanted to be like, this really seems like a job for the postmaster general, you know, maybe you should call them. But uh, I, I was pretty pretty firm with them i said this is a, a gross misuse of 911 because normally like when people dial it for stupid reasons i kind of just try to have good service and like still kind of try to point them in the right direction because some people you know really are just do need help but like if you were dialing 911 because you see a typo on a website like you're 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 far out there's like not even a chance that it's secretly a domestic at that point you know so i'm pretty much just gonna let loose on you like this is a, a gross misuse of that but you know, the, the the last 30 minutes or to an hour of every week before I leave work and come to this job, it's like a, a weird, intense time. I was telling a friend of mine, like, you know, elementary chaos theory suggests that human behavior would be such that you wouldn't know that 3 p.m. on a Thursday is just like the time when everything's when the whole county yeah. is going to shit the bed. But somehow it's just predictable and reliable. Like, <clears throat> even my partner was like, well, it's three o'clock here we go and you know i pack up all my stuff because i don't want to do that you know when i leave it's, i want to be ready to go now and sure enough like as we're leaving like i'm trying to enter a stolen license plate that got stolen a week ago you know and someone's texting 911 because they're a victim of sex exploitation which is also not a reason to dial or text 911 it was just awful Oh, so, I think uh, it's ironic, actually. Uh, it's ironic when somebody texts, you know what I'm saying, 911 to text or text well, to 911 because, like, like this is how you got in this predicament in the first place. Yes, you're from texting, you know what I mean? communicating with the wrong person. The funny yeah. thing is, you know what doesn't make sense is that uh, a number of people have texted to 911 believing that texting to 911 is the way that you report Internet crimes. And it was never advertised that way. I don't know if that's a common experience nationwide or with any other 911 dispatcher, but people are always like, you know, I, I sent pictures of myself to this person and now they're, uh, you know, saying they're going to, you know, they found me on Instagram and they're going to send the picture to all my Instagram friends or whatever, which, you know, uh, maybe I think the truth is this, Drew, I, I figured it out using this thing called empathy. I think that they're <laughs> I read it in the book. It's, it's yes. Like, at first, I thought empathy was when you trick someone into feeling sorry for you. But anyway, empathy is when you know what someone else is thinking. Like you get in, it's like a psychic trick. Anyway, so these people are, they're ashamed is what it is. So they, they don't want to get on the phone and say like, yeah, I, I took a, a picture of my basement and sent it off to Nigeria. Now they, they want to send it to all my Facebook and Instagram friends, you know. And then uh, when when they're 17, I have to let them know that they're trafficking in child pornography. You know, so they probably want to avoid that conversation on the phone and have it in text. The thing is, though, is that a lot of times people will text to 911 and they're in the wrong jurisdiction. They'll say like, you know, I live here or this happened here, and it's just like, well, you're you're, you're texting me about particularly something that happened after the fact. I'm not even the right person you need to talk to. So yeah, I, I really don't even care. It's probably your yeah. response. No, there's the a like, there's a transfer. You hit protocol. the wrong guy. 
Yeah, there's a What's transfer protocol. There's a transfer protocol where you could actually just hit it a, a few keystrokes and you could send it to the PSAP that it needs to go to, and it sends all the previous text with it. And so at that point, you just bow out, you know, saying like, uh, "Have fun with this one." So we we should have mentioned the text to nine one one thing when we were talking about last week uh, coded calls because, oh. like, uh, if you are if you are in a domestic abuse situation and you're the person the perpetrators in the room with you. I would actually advise you to go ahead and skip the pizza call because if, as you heard in that call that we actually played for you, there was some confusion there. Text to 911 that you can have a whole discreet conversation with me, however long it takes. Texting to 911 is um, something you could do in a situation like that. If there's an emergency, though, like if you were actually being assaulted, just dial 911. Just go ahead at that point because texting to 911 takes so long. For me to get back from you, where is your address? How many people are in the house? Are you guys separated? Have you been hurt already? Do you need an ambulance? Is he threatening you? Is there a history of violence? Does he have weapons in his hands? There's so many questions that if we have to text that back and forth, that's really going to delay the process. And so if there's anything really emergent going on, call 911. Um, but if, if you're in a situation like that where, you know, you've just been battered by your domestic partner or whoever's in your in your house with you or you're in some sort of situation where you would it's not emergent like your life's in danger right this second i would you know text to 911 if all else fails just dial but you can use that instead of you know ordering pizza well you, you could uh, essentially order uh pizza over text as well if you wanted to do that so think about that except when your accuser picks up the phone and says like why are you texting 911 that you want mushrooms and pepperoni <clears throat> you know well i mean uh, you got to do what you got to do Except um, that it won't do anything. So I just uh, recognized a problem with my audio, John, and I'm not. Do you want me to flapjack this, this shit? Because no, you don't need to flapjack anything. I don't. I don't well, think. Well, you let's tell just me pray. when you're ready for a ghost bed ad raid. Because I let's you know, just pray. Uh, let's just pray the audacity is not working. So let's just pray that the audio comes out wherever it's. Oh to. yeah, I'm not recording locally either. I guess we're gonna have to fake this whole episode i think we're gonna get in trouble for this so anyway we're gonna have a great show tonight speaking of misusing 911 that's the that's the theme the crux tonight i could tell you i uh, i worked so long ago in the profession that uh some of the more frequent 911 calls we would receive were were from the uh blockbuster on brandon boulevard because people would complain that the uh the return bin was full and the store was closed and they were going to get hit with a late fee. That is uh, the God's honest truth. Uh, that does seem uh, like a million years ago, and it was only 200,000 years ago. Now, John, why were you not allowed to join Costco? I told you I would try to sponsor you. I do believe that your mom was uh, an employee who was denying your benefits. But Well, no, that was just a joke about my mom. What happened was, is okay, so I live in a small town, all right, so... We've always had Sam's Club for as long as I've lived here. And so all the big bulk warehouse people worked at Sam's Club. Well, probably about 10 years ago, they opened a Costco in my town. And all the people who liked working at big bulk retail but didn't like Sam's Club, they all went over there. So when I was about 22, I had a Sam's Club membership. And like, who doesn't, who among us wouldn't relive those years differently? Like, go back in time and say, like, make different choices when you're 22. Sure. Okay. The thing is, all those people, you know, who knew that I wasn't allowed at Sam's Club knew that I wasn't allowed to go to Costco. It's kind of like one of those, like, uh, you know, 
collective unconscious, collective memory things like, and it's being a small town, people know who I am. And like, particularly since I worked at Target and I worked right at the front door and I worked, wore this beautiful, like I- iconic uniform, like people yeah. in town know me. They're like, oh, you're the, you're the officer at our local Target store, which, you know, I've just recently re- resigned from there. I don't know if you knew that I was still on the books, but anyway so like you know your history goes with you and then this is even before social media and and they just they didn't let it go so but i i go down there every year and i give them my whatever it is 60 dollar application fee and the 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 guy that takes it is like some under manager and he goes and he says it's like almost like a used car situation he goes let me go talk to the big guy and they go in there and they go in this office and it's behind glass and it's not even mirrored but they're like talking back and forth and like looking at me and I'm just like yeah. sweating the whole time. And like one time I like got in line for a hot dog because you can have that. And then like he opened there and like, you cannot do that, you know, just to let yeah. me know that I could not. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But they, they inevitably come out and they said like, li- listen, Mr. Bates, I use that term very loosely. I appreciate your application and your application fee. However, this is not what you're just not what Costco's looking for at this time. I don't want you to have any hurt feelings when you leave here. I want you to know you're invited to apply again in the future. We ask that you wait a year. You know, maybe the situation will be different then. Well, it's been six consecutive years. And, uh, you know, just it's if I didn't know better, I would say it was personal at this point. So I was over there the other day. And um, so I'm walking out of Costco and uh, I, I just it hurts to get rejected like that. So I was in my car and I was tearing up a little bit and I guess maybe it was a little bit more than just tears, but the, the car attendant was putting carts right right next to my car and he could see in, I guess. And um, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but all of a sudden like Brian, the manager, like full manager comes out with like a dust mop and he's coming at me and telling me to get the hell out of the parking lot. So am I welcome to apply again next year? Like, I don't know. Speaking of things going on my permanent record, like I might murder you for insurance money or just to steal the Costco card out of your wallet or I don't know. Well, uh, well, 364 days uh, calm Brian down is the question. I, I well, mean, time will tell. And yeah. I would like to say like Brian will be gone, but like, fuck, the bees remember me from 1988 and the Costco people remember me from 2005. So it's like yeah. shit follows you in this life, man. It does. Anyway, thanks for letting me vent to everyone like what a pathetic non-Costco membership guy. And that feels good. Yeah, well, I mean, I I literally, and I can show you the email to prove it. I literally renewed my Costco membership today. I am not joking. Uh, Well, why do you got to rub it in my face? I am not uh, doing that to rub it in your face. I I can get you, you know, if you want the bulk pack of M&Ms or whatever. I mean, I could get forget it. <laughs> you know i can uh no. time heals all wounds as christy is saying i mean time time you know, wounds all heals <laughs> yes it does but i can get you like the three pack of pine saw or whatever you want man and i'll, I'll mail it to you i'm not afraid i, I they, they won't check. okay they so won't i'm know. gonna tell you something else you need to know because <laughs> you, if you're gonna take act unilateral action you need to know this okay because you you're doing that okay so this is a true story okay so one time a friend of mine from 911, she's like, she was my partner today. She was in my town and uh, she's like, you know, do you want to go over to Costco? Cause she knew I couldn't get in. So we go in and she shows hers and I kind of just, I'm like slightly ducking down and behind her and go in there. So they allow this cause they're not going to like make a scene with her. Cause I guess she's been a good, a member in good standing for years. They like her. They yeah. like her. So she yeah. leaves and we leave and we go our separate ways. So she comes back next time. She can't, she didn't have sampling privileges anymore. She'll walk around from table to table. Oh, it's too hot. And they put the lid on. 
And so she'll be like, oh, okay, well, I'll come back for some tombstone pizza in a few minutes. And then like a five-year-old behind her will be like, I want to burn myself for a lawsuit. And they're like, here you go. And they just give him the pizza. So when I say they, they, these people have a memory, like I used to work retail. So I remember the people I hated in retail. I, I remember them to this day. I can remember, I could start a whole podcast just on my greatest target cases, which I don't do. But um they they remember her so like if they get word particularly now that we put it on the internet that you're out there like subverting like the membership rules of costco to like help out like that's like tantamount to treason and like i don't know if they'll take away your sampling privileges or what but you like you just need to know you're assuming some risk there drew do you like to sample uh, are you sampler no nah, not really i mean sometimes you get <clears throat> like i'm a sucker for the elderly so sometimes you get you know cornered you know what i mean you just you look at her and she's like will you try and it's just like i don't know what it's like actually (laughs) it's blended frog and you're like "Uh, yeah i would love it like do you have a trash can and she's like no you got to eat it right in front of me uh yeah (laughs) go look at this eric says costco has the best something best hot dogs yeah they don't i eric i just said they couldn't let me they didn't let me have a hot dog i don't know have it it's probably uh, pure listen, beef, Frank, isn't it? Eric is uh, is in the Hall of Fame right now because he super chatted us. We have a super chat from David J on the board for sixty dollars. He's he's such a that was half. So my what Costco is the point of us super way. chatting ourselves? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> he there is a super chat from Detslov, and I I, I love when Detslov uh, interacts with us. I love when Joseph Russo at, interacts with us. He is uh, he is proclaiming just as I figured he would be. Uh, he is taking the position that Sam's Club is for adults and Costco's for Joe Biden. Uh, but there what does is that say about me that I can't even get into a place the president of the United States for free food. In. There's someone by the name of Kara Dees that has uh, eaten lunch on the samples at Costco. I she's all right. She's pretty, yeah, yeah, I'm in a terrible mood looking. now. I started this show with tremendous energy, even if I wasn't doing well. Now I'm in a terrible mood, Drew. Uh, that's fine. I'm going to lighten your mood with some very heavy 911 uh, situations. So here we go. Let's get into it. Did you, Why not? I, I, Drew, did you want me to do voicemails or save it for the end? Oh, man. I think <clears> – let me consult with my uh, Costco brethren here. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do the do, – do, go ahead and do the voicemail. All right. Hopefully this works. Okay. Hey, Com Center. It's Micah just checking in Captain. to see how – everybody's doing it's been a good week for me professionally personally some growth doing some good stuff we got a big staff meeting tomorrow so that should be fun uh definitely looking forward to days off coming up here and enjoying interacting with members of the wolf pack as always Pause it for a second. Um, is he the young randy macho man savage he might be. It's hard to tell because he's, you know, the the methamphetamine's worn off, so he's kind of sedate. Okay. You know. All right. Continue. Uh, the he funny brother. thing is, yeah, is as as a correctional officer, I would love to hear his "get off the fence" sound. All right. All right. Sorry, Micah. Questions about professional things and stuff. It's good. It makes me feel useful. It gives me something to do when when I have actually have downtime at work and. Um, I had one of the questions I had actually was somebody asked me if I'd been to the Grand Canyon because I live in the Southwest and I haven't, but uh, I he- I do hear it's just gorgeous. So yeah, 
just wanted to share that with you. No, that was for John's benefit. Breaking news. And I'm sure I'll be shit talking down in the in the comment section. So we'll see you guys for uh, Tom Center. Guns up God to bless you. him. Yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, letting us know about that big hole in the ground that everyone loves. I've been to the American Southwest. I love going down there. First of all, the food's fantastic. I mean, you can get it anywhere at a Taco Bell. It's the exact same thing. That comment was designed to activate my sister to an insane rage, by the way. But authentic New Mexican cuisine is basically the entry to Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go down. I, I went down to, to Utah a couple of years ago and I um, went to Zion and I went to Great Basin National Park in uh, Nevada. And uh, I love going down there. It's actually one of my favorite places to go. John, tell me if you can hear this before you go any further. Uh, go ahead. No, you couldn't hear that, huh? I can't hear shit. You get that figured uh, out while I do these voicemails. No, it's fine. Uh, keep going. Well, no, no, no. Don't do not do it. Just give me two seconds because I want to do a voice comparison real quick. Okay. If you don't mind. <clears throat> I hope you're not doing a voice comparison between Micah and, like, somebody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, n- n- not that you have to. Uh, play it but just hold on one second Let's david's mad about it yeah well oh looks like R- man, randy macho man savage has joined the show did he die he's dead isn't yeah, he? yeah he's dead okay can I you remember, hear him no i can't i'm sorry uh, I remember, okay all right never mind i remember him fighting spider-man though <clears throat> yeah oh yeah oh yeah i'm gonna fight spider-man it was a good movie uh, i missed that movie all right next uh voicemail sorry all right. Hey, Com Center. Uh, my name is Anthony, and I'm a code enforcement officer at the once great but still beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I work John's nightmares. Uh, so, John, we have a bee ordinance in my city where people are allowed to keep bees under certain circumstances. And the case came to mind the other day that I worked recently about bee poop. As we know, everything poops. But I bet you didn't know that bee poop is essentially honey with poop in it. Oh, my God. And the complaint was that this gentleman's uh, beehive near this residential area was manifesting in a bunch of bees shitting all over their cars. Anyway, I just had to share that. John, you have a new nightmare. Congratulations. You know what really grinds my gears about being a... I'll interrupt you, police officer. Uh, did I figure that bees pooped honey? I mean, I you know, I haven't considered it, which is weird because I have considered most things. But it makes sense to me that it would be honey and then some sort of, um, you know, some waste product there. I'm not happy that bees are out there shitting on things. You're right. It makes things worse. You know what else? I don't like the idea that, like, bees, like, um, that they're near me when I'm asleep. Um, I don't like that they uh, that they're thinking about me. I don't like that they watch me as I come and go from my house. I don't like that. I don't like that they lie in wait all winter until it's warm enough for them to like you know go through with whatever their plans are that they made all winter. They they sit there and lie and wait all winter and watch me. And it doesn't make sense because it's like so why do why do bees even get through the winter? Okay, because it's like minus thirty five here. So tell me how bees first of all survive the winter. Like I barely survive and I'm warm blooded, and these bees anyway. So yeah, they bother me in all, a whole bunch of different ways. I did want to say though, before I like go insane, um, code enforcement officer, welcome to uh, welcome to the show. You are more welcome here than any firefighter. I actually did a ride along once with a code enforcement officer. If you want to know why I never became a cop, it's because I did two ride alongs, <laughs> highway patrol. 
code enforcement. We literally get in the get in this like Chevy Astro and drive around town doing code enforcement. And I was told, oh, it's kind of like a ride along, you know, like with a police officer. And we get in there and he goes, I know someone with a bunch of car batteries in the yard. Let's go see if they're there so we can sight them. And I'm just like, man, it just law enforcement's everything I dreamed it could be driving around you know harassing people for utilizing their own property in a gross way so yeah why why i never became a cop drew any thoughts on the bees or code enforcement no god no i'm not (laughs) gonna agitate them that's like you and uh costco i'm not gonna do that i I am gonna try one more time with the randy all right you go ahead i just keep going randy randy on here go now uh hold on can you hear this i can't hear shit drew can you hear that? No. No, I'm sorry. It's all right. Go to the next uh, guys. If, if you if you have a good Randy Macho Man Savage impression, why don't you call in 848-911? That's 848-266-6911. Nice. That's com 911, whatever our number is. Call in. Just do Randy Macho Man Savage. We'll put you on the air because uh otherwise it's a multimedia failure. All right. This is our last uh voicemail, Drew. Okay. When your supervisor issues you an old patrol car with cloth seats in the back, you go and arrest or take that crazy person to a mental health facility, and they look at you as they're squirming around back there, and then you start to smell something really funky. Come to find out when you get him out of that car, he took a piss and a shit just so it would all mesh together and stink up your car for good. Um. Was that the end of that? Yeah, that was the end. He was mad. I, at- I just, I, I don't like fecal stories. I, I had a squad. Let me you got tell you two why. this week. Beef, bee poop, and crazy <clears throat> people poop. Yeah. <clears throat> Ironically, two. Number two. I had a squad that uh, when I was a sergeant, uh, I was in street crimes, and they went from zero to poop in like 12 seconds of us being together constantly and this was a few years back obviously and uh i was being made fun of i was being beclowned because uh in my condo i installed a bidet and i don't know if you have a what's that very australian of you I don't know if you have a position on bidets, but I, I do. I'm, I feel very strongly about them, and I'm. And here's why. And I used to take. They 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 made that into a sexual thing, and it's it's disgusting to me. First of all, but second of all, this is the way I've always described it. If you and I, John, are walking through wherever you are, just let's just say we're in Tacoma, Washington, and it had been raining all day, and the two of us step in a mud puddle. Um, <clears throat> you run to the, uh, 7-Eleven and you grab a handful of paper towels and start cleaning off your shoe. Meanwhile, I'm outside hosing my shoe down. Who do you think has cleaner shoes at the end of that transaction? That's all I, that's, that's the only way I can describe this bidet situation. And, and I'm telling you, they would, they would go from zero to poop in like five seconds. I hate poop talk. I hate S word talk. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like, I, I do have like a really good story though from target. Should I just save it for the Patreon? I guess. Yeah, please. 
please. All I right. mean, let, let's just save for the Patreon. I mean, like, right. if we could Guys, avoid. We, we're laying down a new new rule for Com Center. Oh, laying down. Just yeah. No, no more poop stuff. I mean, that if you guys want poop stuff, follow uh, pay, follow us on Patreon. Listen to Failure to Stop Hard Time. Like, we have a whole episode dedicated to poop. I think what burritos. I told the most prison story ever, and of course it involves fecal matter. I think that's the only episode Drew listened to, and he goes, well, I'm never listening to this again. And I didn't know that Drew hated uh, fecal matter. Otherwise, I wouldn't have recommended I did. a different episode. I was grossed out. I was walking around Target listening to that filth. And, <clears throat> you know, how do you – I just – I look at that squad to this day like, how do you fucking – oh, there it goes. I'm. It's no longer a clean show. Yeah, sorry, guys. Well, the poop fucking, and then the F word. How do you and, fucking people walk around all day? Like, how do you walk around? Do you not realize – are you not that conscious of what – so anyway, here we go. We'll just uh, edit out the F word later. Don't worry about it. Oh, fuck it. All right, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're going to go through um, – three scenarios of of different turnouts of 911 calls and the whole po- point of to, is to tell you this like there there are three very different things three very different reactions on the dispatcher's part which i want to get john's take on and then three very different outcomes that are extreme they're extreme examples but they happen and they happen more often uh than not so here we go we're going to start off with clip one, Florida deputies respond to a 911 call of a child drowning. 911, what is the address of your emergency? Yeah, my next neighbor is 1156 Street. My little boy is drowning right now. I don't know if I'm your phone's cutting out. What is the address? 1156 Street. That's where I live. I live next door to them. Delpana. 56 Ring Street. Okay, what's going on? I'm a little kid. I'm drunk. I'm short of my house. I'm drunk. 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 I'm Okay, that's another officer's uh, body cam. I think it's a sergeant's body cam that you're looking at there. All right, so let me pause real quick just to update you where we're at. If you couldn't hear... What we were watching was video of the actual response from that 911 call. The, the woman on the 911 call is, is uh, obviously f- distraught, saying that there's a child drowning. I heard him, I heard somebody next door saying he's dead, he's dead, he's drowning. Um, and so what, what that causes us to do, and, and I can tell you from direct experience in this situation, uh, and, and this is why I say, um, you know, I, I'm tired of your uh, accusations of racism because – Again, nobody asked that woman what color the of the skin of the kid in the pool is. Yet, you have three uh, deputy sheriffs, maybe sergeants, whatever, police officers, racing to the scene. You saw them; they weren't they weren't driving excessively fast. They were, you know, maintaining safe speeds as, as far as I could tell. Um, but they had their lights and sirens going so they could get through intersections. And it's really 
it's really tough to do in Florida. It's tough to do everywhere, but we have a very high elderly population here. Um, and we also have a, a, a you know, a, a large swath of, of kid drivers who are paying attention to their texts. And so is everybody else, quite frankly, nowadays. So um, riding somewhere and needing to get there fast is a very uh, white knuckle experience. And that's what these officers were facing. Now, there was a passenger in the car. Uh, in the in the patrol car that you could see that there was a Dwight Schrute um, uh, air freshener hanging from the rearview mirror, and they they were attempting to clear an intersection. They were trying to get through. In other words, their light was red, but everybody else was green. You're in an emergency vehicle. You're trying to get to a kid who is drowning, and somebody disobeyed the the emergency vehicle. They they were paying attention to the traffic light, which is natural. However, when there's a large police car in the middle of the intersection, you should, or a fire truck or an ambulance for that matter, you should probably stop. So um, they didn't, and uh, the result was that that uh, that deputy there was in a crash. Uh, they saw it coming. Uh, probably, luckily for them, they saw it coming. It drove them into a tree. It looked like it knocked some branches off. And then, um, so they announced over the radio, look, I've been in a crash. Now, what, what this does is it creates a whole, sif- a whole separate set of emergencies. You, you've, you've got probably the closest fire unit uh, or, or, you know, fire rescue paramedic uh, units on the way to help a drowning child and every officer that's available, because more than likely, since we're already on the street, we're going to be closer than they are. Now you've got a whole new emergency to deal with, and you're concerned about the citizen, you're concerned about the officers involved in the crash, you're concerned about getting safety and first aid to them. So, John, what do you take away from all that? There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I guess, first, any kind of kid in danger call, we mentioned this before on the show, but it's going to, you know, kind of light a fire under everyone just a little bit more than usual. It's not that we don't care about every kind of call, but like I've said before, when a kid's in danger, everyone kind of, you know, steps up their game to that. Um, it's so frustrating when you have anyone in kind of uh, a difficulty breathing call, whether it's drowning or a cardiac arrest, and your your caller is distraught and they're not doing any rescue measures. My first thing that I thought when I was hearing this is like, uh, do you know CPR? And if not, like, Sometimes 911 dispatchers will resort to this, but it's like, can you call for help? Like go outside and scream, like just start screaming, help me, because maybe a neighbor, you know, a trained rescuer, maybe just someone who has the emotional detachment to at least get involved and maybe start doing some compressions or something. Um, When the deputy gets hit, you know, you don't want to divert resources. The number one thing would be to contact the deputy or the unit that that got hit and like, you know, are you 10-4? Because if you're 10-4, like let's, keep the other units rolling towards the scene of where the kid's drowning. Um, you know, we, we can have some kind of secondary unit divert or something to help with traffic control, fluid cleanup, all that stuff can generally wait. Um, make sure, obviously we need to make sure the other person in the, in the other vehicle is okay. Otherwise we're gonna have to divert some resources there, but I, I trust the deputy to be in charge of, the, of their own crash until someone at least can get there to write it. And uh, so I would continue to focus on the kid. It's kind of hard to do though, when you're injured, but, but luckily that's not what happened here, but. Right. No, it, if, if they're injured, it's a whole other, it's a whole other situation, obviously then because the mechanism of injury of a, of a high speed T-bone collision like that, particularly if the car had hit the driver's side, um, you know, 
there is somebody in the passenger side of this vehicle, but um, you know, that, that changes everything too. You're going to have to, you, as a dispatcher, you have to find resources. And when you have uh, multiple calls going on at the same time, things stack up and all of a sudden you're almost looking at the same thing as a mass casualty incident. You can have so much going on to where it's like, you know, tantamount to an active shooter. You can have, you know, a, what, and what is a mass casualty incident? Well, in this town, it's something different than it is for me. Where, where, where I am, it's just whenever your resources are overwhelmed, whenever you need to start sending people out of their emergency service zones to go somewhere else, you consider that a mass casualty incident because you're having to get resources that you wouldn't normally call upon. So, um, yeah, I, I would hate having to make the decision if, you know, to send units one way or the other, but it's a horrible place to be. And if you've got a police officer seriously injured in a crash on their way to help out a kid, Drew, go ahead. So they're showing the crash scene now. It looks like you're the okay. driver of the patrol car. Yeah, I'm okay. You're fine. It was an accident. Got out, went around to the passenger alive. side to make sure everybody's okay. Uh, and she's saying, okay. I'm all right. Are you all right? So meanwhile, back at the scene, you got some fire department guys going to the house to look in the backyard. They open the fence. They got a stretcher going. They're they're walking towards the back of the house, and lo and behold, there's no pool back there. Is that it? There's no kids back there. 11:56 ring. So now they're in the process of verifying the address. They're trying to figure out if they have the right house or not. They talk to the actual caller. Here she is. What's going on? I appreciate that. Thank you so much. She's still on the phone, I think. What happened? Okay, sorry. Is somebody drowning? What's what's going on? I just heard a lot of stuff and I recorded it. And the kids are like yelling, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, and everything. And I just recorded it. Okay, so you never saw anybody drowning? You didn't see a child drowning? Anything like that? I'm just trying to verify before I get into that. You never at any point saw a child drowning, correct? No, ma'am. Okay. You just heard something happening next door, so you called. Okay, you can. Sure. So. We already went over there. There, everybody's fine over there. Okay, just so you know, there's no kids that are hurt, nobody drowned, nothing like that. Okay. Okay. Am I sure? I'm sure, because we already went over there. So I'm just letting you know, they're okay. The kids are okay. They were playing in a blow-up water slide thing. Okay. Because all I hear is, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Well, maybe they were playing, like joking around. Okay. Did it sound like somebody was hurting somebody else, or uh, that when we when we saw back there, there's just kids playing on a water slide. They're playing. Okay. So I did something wrong. I was just worried. No, sweetheart, you didn't do anything wrong. We just—it's an emergency. We had to make sure there's no child drowning. So the call came out as an eight-year-old drowning, and we get here and we don't know what's going on. So we just determined that they're fine, and you were scared because you heard something that was possibly somebody getting hurt. But I'm just letting you know they're all fine, so everything's fine. Okay. All right, so here's the deal, because uh, it's all been kind of addressed in the questions. Some some of these questions have been answered. Th apparently, what actually happened was, and and uh, though the uh, deputy and the tr the passenger, and I think the person from the other car were transported to the hospital, everybody's okay, luckily. 
that these things happen. These things happen all the time with false reports of 911. And, and there is a statute here in Florida. If you, if you violate that, if you, if you maliciously call 911 with the intention of reporting an emergency. And, and that's the same thing we saw with Ed Troyer out there in Seattle, uh, in that area. Um, if you call and claim there's an emergency, but there's not an emergency and you affect an emergency response, it's a violation of a statute. So, um, what, what, uh, what it boiled down to was this, you heard the sergeant talking to her. I think it was a, the sergeant or the deputy, whoever it was, was talking to the lady at the door. And she's like, look, you didn't do anything wrong because she felt really bad that, you know, uh, that, that everybody came out there and blah, blah, blah. Come to find out later in the investigation or later as they figured it all out, this lady had been feuding with her neighbors and these kids had been loud all day and she couldn't get them to shut up. And this was her means of getting her to shut up. So she was charged. She was criminally charged. She was, you know, put in jail. I think she bonded out. Um, and she's awaiting trial. You can look up, you can Google her name. I think it was Volusia County. So, uh, I, I thought the same thing, Christy, that she, that this looked kind of like a special person maybe, but I, I don't think that was the case. I think it was just somebody who was upset that nobody was responding to her, uh, um, complaints that, and they couldn't get those kids to shut up, you know, during the middle of the day in the summer playing in the, in the water. That's the way it's going to go uh, during the summer. Um, and, and this happens more often than not. I, I've heard of, you know, like, okay, so your car was broken into, but it's going to take about two hours for a deputy sheriff to get out there. Oh, by the way, there was a gun stolen too. Okay, well, now there's a gun involved. You know what I mean? Like when people are dishonest like that, it affects different things. It, it's a it's a butterfly, butterfly effect sort of. Uh, or a domino effect of, of what could happen. And you see the extreme case here. I mean, those, that deputy sheriff or that citizen could have been killed. She could have plowed into a, uh, you know, a homeless guy pushing a, a shopping cart and killed him, um, you know, after being pushed in the intersection like that. Now, there was a question about how fast they were going. I didn't see any excessive speed. You can easily outdrive your siren uh, and your lights. Nobody, uh, it's hard to get people to pay attention to that anyway, with radios that are so loud and it being Florida, the windows are rolled up on a hundred percent of the cars, just about. Um, I did see though, uh, properly stopping at the intersection. You, you don't get just to get, you don't get to just barrel through it to get to safe to that, uh, to save that kid. You got to make sure it's safe first. So I saw them creep into the intersection, accelerate, and then you could see the passenger put their hands on the on the window like, oh, God, here it comes. So somebody went around somebody else or didn't see them or or they didn't see the person that hit them. Uh, do you have anything to add, John? If not, I'm just going to go to the next one. I don't know. I'm just trying to decide how much you could say, like, the untethered rage part, part of me just wants to be like, you know, you know, we let's charge her with the misdemeanor misuse of 911. Here's the problem. State's attorney is not going to waste her time on that. You're not going to put this person in front of a jury and have them, you know, because she seems to have had no ill intent. You know, she it's certainly going to make look to a jury if 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 she wanted that, that, you know, she didn't do anything wrong. You also don't want to set the precedent that we don't like people dialing 911 for emergencies. 
the problem I have with it is when you have something specific like that, you say somebody's drowning, you have a very specific set of assets that are going to go to that scene, advanced life support and all this and stuff that you don't need if it's uh, if it's essentially a noise complaint or a disorderly conduct or something else like that. And you're diverting resources away from something else. Resources are not infinite, folks. Like, do you have any, any idea the amount of time I've sent people in ambulances to take them away to the hospital with a broken thumb? And then we'll take another 911 call for that same emergency service area, and they've got a serious problem, and I don't have an ambulance to send them because the ambulance just took somebody that could have driven themselves. Right. Um, so that's you know that's an extreme example, but you know in a city like this, like they'll have ambulances that are ho hopping calls all day, and you're having to divert resources and send ambulances from one zone to another to cover an area. And sometimes you'll have ambulances coming from from a far end of the city to go to another end because. This is deemed a priority one call. A drowning is going to be priority one. They're going to get higher priority than anything else. You're actually, you could at this ambulance that went to this priority one drowning, it could have been already headed to another call and it was diverted to go to this kid drowning because obviously that's the more important call, right? Than say some other priority two thing, whatever that would be. And so you are, you are diverting a resource away from another, another person sometimes when you do that. So all I ask is that it be for a damn good reason. Like you actually need them. Um, and okay. So she thinks she heard somebody drowning or something. I, this is where I'm like borderline here. I don't like the mentality that I'm a hero for dialing nine one one. I get that it's the most exciting thing to you. Maybe it's the most exciting thing that happened in your life. Getting to press those numbers, you're activating the system, you're involved. It's different for you than it is for me because I do it every day, but it's like, if you care enough to dial nine one one and it's safe to do so, if it's safe to do so, otherwise don't do it. Maybe investigate something on your own. Peek around a corner, look above your fence, see if somebody's actually in the water. See if someone, if an adult's screaming, call for help. Ring their door, ring their doorbell, like, hey, I heard is, is there an emergency back here? Now, if you're not comfortable with that, you're not safe doing that, okay, call or whatever. Uh, but I, I do get tired of people who will will drive by. They they drive by a situation and they don't they they don't want to deal with it themselves, so they they call me. I get that that's what the system's there for. You're not obligated morally or legally to do anything. I guess I'm just different. When I see a problem like that, you know, I'm I'm more I'm more likely to, to and, I, and I yes, again, I'm different than other people. I'm more likely to feel safe in a situation and go check something out for myself. But just look at the consequences when something like this happens. I have had a call where we had a priority one cardiac arrest. And I didn't have a resource to send him because I was sending everyone out to check in a cistern for a child. Someone called and said, my kid's missing. They're three years old. The cistern is open. I think they're down there. I got the emergency manager going. I got multiple fire departments going. I got technical rescue going. I got all kinds of stuff going on. At the same time, I have a witnessed arrest going on in that, in that same emergency service zone. So all my stuff's going over here. Guess where the kid was? Under the blanket, asleep in the bed. So all of my resources that could have been diverted to that witness arrest, where if you're doing, if you have trained rescuers on a witness arrest, there's a very high chance that we could possibly save that one compared to on witness arrest. I'm not saying that person would definitely live. I'm not saying that it necessarily even changed change the outcome, but that guy died. And I felt terrible because my resources are going to a nonsense situation. Someone didn't throw up the blankets to see that their three-year-old kid was sleeping like an angel. They assumed they were in the cistern while someone else died. Drew, go ahead. Um, I, I can tell you that this is Florida. There are pools everywhere and uh, in just about every backyard, one and two. It, it sounds obvious, but it's it may not be. Uh, there are also lakes and ponds everywhere. And we respond to more drownings per capita, I guarantee, than probably uh, unless it's a coastal state. I mean, I, I mean, maybe Minnesota, but um, I, I can tell you this I, right off the top of my head. I have four 
child drownings that I can think about. And I'm telling you, they're nothing. Um, you're going to move heaven and earth to get to a child, uh, to get to a kid drowning. I, I promise you that if you, if you've seen one, you're going to, you're, you're going to do everything you can to get to the other ones. Yeah. And next this case uh, is, uh, this poor coming, deputy was trying to do that when they got hit. The next case is called the real dangers of swatting. It's clip two. 911. What is the location of your emergency? Uh, dispatch this 582 standby. Are you still on the line? And are you still on the line? Okay, I just had a, a person call uh, down to the security desk at City Hall, and he said his mother had just, like, uh, hit his dad over the head with a handgun, okay? I have his phone number, but for some reason, either he is hanging up or I can't transfer it. So I'm going to give you the phone number. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. Okay. Call him back. All right, bye. Bye. Hello? This is 911. What's going on? Hello? Yeah. This is 911. What's going on? Um, I recently got disconnected. I had told you guys everything that happened. Got the argument with my mom and dad. Okay. What's your address? Hello? Yeah, um, it's 1033 West McCormick Street. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. They were arguing and I shot him in the head and he's not breathing anymore. Okay, so what's going on right now? Are you there? So I made a little note to myself. Make sure you listen to her breathing, uh, the dispatcher's breathing right now. Yeah. Okay, do you have any weapons on you? Yeah, I do. What kind of weapons do you have? Um, a handgun. What kind of handgun is it? I don't know. It's my dad's. What color is it? It's black. Where exactly are you at in the house? Um, by the closet. Okay, what closet? My mom's. Where's that at in the house? Uh, in her room, which is where she's at, and my little brother. Do you have a little brother? Yeah. I was on the phone with you guys earlier, um, telling you guys about it. I just I got disconnected. Okay. Well, we're going to try to get you some help. Um, we're exactly in the house. Like, is this a one-story or two-story house? It's one story. Is it towards the front of the house, the back of the house? Um, well, like it's, it's like towards the back, I guess. I'm just pointing the gun at them, making sure they stay in the closet, my mom and my little brother. Okay, is there any way you can put the gun up? No. Are you guys sending someone over here? Because then I'm definitely not going to put it away. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and stay on the phone with you, okay? That's fine. Until I get here, or? As long as you need me to, okay? Yeah, I'm thinking about, because um, I already poured gasoline all over the house. I might just set it on fire. Okay, well, we don't need to do that, okay? In a little bit, I might. Why would you do that? Do you have my address correct? Can you verify it for me again? 
Um, it's one zero three three West McCormick Street. Um, my zip code is six seven two one three. Okay. So, which way does your house face? Like, does your front door face north, south, east, west? I don't know. It's just facing the street. My dad isn't breathing. It's kind of giving me anxiety, making me like paranoid. Hello. I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay. Are you white, black, Asian, Hispanic? Are you there? Yeah. Are you white, black, Asian, Hispanic? Is is it was an accident, so Okay, that's fine. Okay, so before we go on with this just very briefly, John, because we got a lot of stuff to cover yet. Um what what are your observations here? Well, getting a, a third party to tr- give you an emergency call like that, that happens sometimes. You'll notice the dispatcher wasn't thrown by that at all, saying, hey, we've got this call going on, and then uh, the facts aren't lining up. Now, it could, it could be very difficult because you have no information. The, the information he's giving uh, is kind of different than what you heard before. Uh, he kind of gives off these full-blown psychotic vibes, but... Uh, when you're taking this call live, you are not going to be suspecting the right things. Like when right. he says, do you have my address correct? You're just like, hot damn, this guy wants to make sure I have the address correct. Hell yeah. Like make sure, sh- yeah, what, what, go ahead. What's your address? And then the other thing that's suspicious after the fact, which you wouldn't be able to detect at all. So I'm not criticizing this dispatcher. I actually think um, whether this was, uh, I'll just say she did a good job. Um, you know, she's not getting thrown by anything. She's trying to keep him calm, uh, doing everything that she needs to do. But the situation is uh, is already suspicious, and there, there's signs like that you can detect after the fact. Um, hindsight is always twenty twenty. How, how always hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I mean, this he this does seem a lot like a full blown psychotic break. I mean, this reminds me a lot of that call. Um, I guess I think it was was it uh, Michigan where we had a guy call in and he killed his dad. He had kind of that, he had that flat affect that was full blown psychotic behavior. This seems, this mirrors that. So it's possible this dispatcher has talked to people in the state of mind before. So, uh, uh, go uh, ahead, Drew. So she, um, these are the things that I say that, you know, your autonomic nervous system, like you can't control, especially when you're, so, you know, when you're interviewing somebody and you start seeing things like this, like the hurried breath and she can't catch her breath. This is because like her diaphragm is tightening, tightening up right now, her stomach, she's having trouble like catching a full breath because she's trying to, she's, her body is fighting. She's trying to remain calm. I get muscle get spasms is what, what happens to me. I get, yeah. I get back tension. Trying to, trying to just do the best she can to remain calm, to get the best information she can get, but her body is not allowing her to do that. And, and this is, this goes to the science of what I keep saying over and over and over again. The trauma is no different between what a officer on the street experiences and what a dispatcher experiences it's the same venom that's running through your brains the the, that's running through your body it's it's the uh the not dopamine but the adrenaline that's coursing through your all the hormones are raging right now 
through her body and she's trying uh, and she has lived two lifetimes right here just trying to get this guy's information it's the same that that's exactly what you experience on a traffic stop and all that the, the difference is that the danger is not present in the comm center but it's a longer lasting danger when you think about it so here's the deal uh yeah, let's, let play- the other, let's let the other shoe drop if you're ready 28-year-old father of two, Andrew Finch, opened his front door and was shot and killed by the police who had responded to the prank call. It was a prank call. Upon noticing police lights flashing outside his house, Andrew Finch came out of his house to see what was going on and was met with Wichita Police Department officers who had their weapons pointed at him. As ordered, Andrew began to put his hands up, but he paused. Officer Justin Rapp, who was on the other side of the street, fired a single shot which hit Andrew in the chest, piercing his heart and right lung. Andrew Finch was an innocent victim of swatting, which had all been because of a $1.50 wager on an online game which two men lost. The men had no connection to Andrew Finch. Casey Viner, who used the name Vaporizer, and Shane Gaskill, who used the pseudonym Miracle, got into an argument about friendly fire while playing Call of Duty World War II. Casey Viner took to Twitter and threatened to swat Shane Gaskill. Gaskill said he'd be waiting and gave Casey Viner the address of a house that he and his family had been evicted from the previous year. Casey Viner then contacted a homeless man named Tyler Barris and passed on the address to SWAT, who he thought was his gaming opponent. Tyler Barris had a criminal record and had served 16 months in LA County Jail for making false bomb threats against the TV station, an elementary school, and a middle school. He was also wanted in Florida for making approximately 30 other bomb threats and in Canada for harassing a woman. Andrew's mother heard her son cry out before the officer discharged his weapon. A police statement said that the officer had fired because he thought Andrew was reaching into his waistband. Casey Vino was just 18 years old and lived in Ohio. He was sentenced to two years community service and one year and three months in prison. Shane Gaskill was a year older and from Wichita. He was sentenced to two years probation. For making the hoax call, along with 46 additional charges, Tyler Barris, who was 25 from Los Angeles, was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison after he pled guilty and agreed to a plea agreement. The police officer, Justin Rapp, later testified that he had only seen Andrew Finch make a motion with his hand and was not charged with any crime. So think about it. Um, do do, Do you want to be this officer? I mean, like... Think of how horrible he feels, first of all. Okay, so, you know, perhaps insensitive not mentioning the fact that a random father of two, young guy, had his whole life ahead of him, sees some lights flashing out in front of his house. His address was given as the address of, you know, this guy who's supposedly standing over his uh, dead parents and is about to set the thing on fire. He opens the door. He puts his arms up. He just, for whatever reason, reaches down or the officer sees him reaching down and and they're quite a distance away and one shot takes him out and kills him. I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible situation all the way around. This is these dumbass kids and their negligence got that father killed. The city paid five million bucks. The officer is still an officer. From what I understand, he's been promoted to detective. It's not it's nothing to celebrate. Uh, I I don't think that he did anything intentional, but this family is without a son. They're without a brother. Those two kids are going to be raised without a father. 
uh, all because of these uh, three dumbass kids and their stupid, stupid conduct. John, I object to calling them stupid kids. I mean, whatever their age, but this guy, Tyler Barris, there's a Netflix documentary called uh, Web of Make Believe or Web of, um, I just had it pulled up. Um, yeah, yeah, Web of Make Believe. Okay, so that's a series that uh, kind of explores some some cyber crimes and things like that. It has an episode of Tyler Barris. If you actually remember, this was actually going on in the news quite a bit that he was swatting people. He was doing this all over the place. It culminated in this poor innocent dad getting shot again this is all over a dollar and 50 bet that was being made online over a game that wasn't being paid he decided he would swat somebody over a dollar 50 but it was a huge joke to him he, he didn't think anything of this and uh you know drew talks about priming police officers when you think you're going into a situation where some kid has just killed his dad and is about to light the house on fire you're still trying to apprehend a potential murders an active shooter and prevent the further loss of life because arson is something that's going to kill people you know if a house explodes you don't have you have any idea it, the poor dad you know i just it's just like the farmington case maybe even a little bit you know that that guy had a gun this guy opens the door and reaches for his waistband the cops primed to think that this is the guy that just shot somebody so he's not going to wait around uh, like we've said multiple times with like with Ben Darby, if this is what you have going on, you don't need to wait for the beat of the weapon to be pointed at you. And it's just, uh, it's disgusting. And, he, you know, he got 30 years in prison and considering all the damage that he done, he's he's done. I just, I'm not sure it's enough. And uh, gosh, I don't, I don't think I, it's enough. Yeah. I mean, he, if I, I, he lived in California, you know, that was part of it. So, you know, they don't, that's maybe part of that. Maybe that's like the worst punishment you can get in California. I don't know. Drew, go ahead. Well, I think one of the worst punishments you can get, John, is uh, not getting a good night's rest in your prison cell for the next 30 years. What you'd probably want to do is not commit crimes, because if you don't commit crimes, you can stay home and sleep on what, John? A ghost bed. Did you want me to do it or you got it? Yeah, please go. We want to make sure you get a good night's sleep, particularly to our non-felonious audience. We all know that getting a good night's sleep is the most important thing. That's why we love GhostBed. They're a loyal sponsor since day one. All our fans and hosts rave about them because their mattresses are super comfortable. They last forever and ever because they're made in the United States of America. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty, and you could try it out for 101 hot nights. And if you don't like it, you could send it back without any hard feelings. There definitely won't be any hard feelings in your back. Our favorite thing about GhostBed is the mattress itself, which has this awesome cooling technology. So when you get hot at night like I do, this is going to keep you cool. GhostBed's got a sale right now. When you go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and use the offer code Wolfpack, you can get a mattress for 0% down, 0% financing, even if you have the credibility of some asshole online who gets people killed. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and get a good night's sleep. Drew, one thing I did think of while I was reading that ad, so that 911 dispatcher that took that call, the whole thing ended up being fake right okay so but uh they endured some trauma believing that all of that was real you don't True. just when you when you hear uh i shot my dad i'm gonna you know lay the house on fire and you're doing everything you can to stabilize that situation until an officer gets there you're carrying all that with you like it was real it doesn't go away with the magic wand when you say guess what it was all fake haha ha, it was just a prank you're fine no because you you lived that out like it was real that's the thing about being a 911 dispatcher yes it's it whether it's real or not real, you experience it the same way. When you when you're when you're a police officer, a firefighter, and you go to the scene and there's no pool and there's no kids in the back, you're pissed off and you're angry. But you didn't just go through a drowning like the 911 dispatcher did. Yeah, I, I, I just to 
in congruence with that, just just remember too, when you re- when you arrive as a, a deputy sheriff at the backyard and there's no pool back there, you have had a few minutes to at least get your thoughts together, gather your thoughts and figure out what you're going to do and, you know, help get EMS in there and do all these other things. But the dispatcher is hearing that raw. They're hearing it live as it's going down. You're, they, they are not only experiencing it, period. They're experiencing it in real time. Not There's no delay. So it's rare for uh, a, like an officer to experience something in real time like that, unless you witness a robbery in progress or a beating in progress or somebody shooting or you're you shooting at somebody or something like that. I mean, that's an extreme example, but um, you, you're going to witness, you know, as a dispatcher, you're getting that in real time. You know, things have time to simmer a little bit by the time the officer gets there. Just, they have no just time for- to simmer. Just for a little mutual empathy, I can't imagine being the police officer who responded to that drowning call, and you're looking at this woman who's just like, I thought someone was drowning, and you have to say, no, you didn't do anything wrong, you're fine, when you hauled ass across the city, and you are getting mentally prepared to, to face you know, the, the, your worst nightmare, which is you doing compressions on a kid that will ultimately right. be ineffective. Like I know police officers who have done, ineff- have, have done CPR that ultimately didn't save an infant. And it destroyed them emotionally, and it really hurt them professionally and personally. They carried that with them, that they held a baby in their arms that passed away despite their best efforts to save them. So you've got a deputy, or police officer, whoever, getting on the, getting mentally prepared to go in there, to do battle with life and death, to do whatever they can to pull this kid out of the abyss and then get there and nothing's wrong, and you have to maintain your professionalism. I'm one of those people where, like, if I'm angry or pissed off, like, as you could see on this podcast, if you're watching it live on YouTube, I get mad. Like, I get worked up. You could see that on my face. People could tell when I'm upset. I think that I wear this stuff pretty close to the surface. So I would have a hard time as a police officer standing right in front of her saying the words, you didn't do anything wrong. You're fine. Have a good day. Drew. We got clip three coming up real quick. I just want to clarify something. Um, there are people saying, you know, th- that he should have been charged with murder. I think he was charged with manslaughter. Uh, it was a federal charge. It wasn't a state charge. Uh, just think of this, though. I mean, in in the state of Florida, there's something called felony murder, which means if right. you're in the process of committing, committing a, felony, a felony and somebody dies, you, and somebody dies, you'll be charged with murder for committing for for causing that death, so to speak. Right. So it has so, to be a so- felony. So, so if you and a, your friend decide to commit a bank robbery and you go down there and somebody gets killed as a result of that and you were, you know, a co-conspirator in that action, you could be charged with felony murder. If if it's just a misdemeanor, though, uh, like a false 911 call, there's no charge. There's culpable yeah. negligence, which means that, you know, your dumbass conduct got somebody hurt. But I was uh, surprised, though, that the other people involved in that, you know, one of them got sentenced to like probation and community service. Like, yeah. I need to go back yeah, and watch the documentary and watch how, what their involvement was, because maybe they knew something and withheld information or something. Uh, I'd have to go back and see why. Because, uh, you know, if they were involved in, you know, if they're playing a game online and they make this bet and they don't pay it, like that's a civil matter that no one's going to entertain. So like, what, what is it that led to them getting criminal charges? I'd be interested to watch that. Yeah. All right. Clip three is the Phoenix police department. They respond to an intruder that was shot by a homeowner or a homeowner that was shot by an intruder. They're trying this to sort that out. Occurred in the area of this is a critical stress or a critical incident a debrief that they do as part of their later um, identified as 36 year old Morris Jones um, reported his wife transparent shot by intruders during a robbery. Here's the audio from the 911 call, which was placed at 2.10 a.m. The call appears to be on speakerphone, and two male voices can be heard. One is Jones, 
and one is victim Lobley's adult brother. Phoenix 911, where is your emergency? There's a gunshot wound. There's a gunshot wound. Where? We got an intruder. We got an intruder. That's the address redacted. Is that a house? Yeah. So you should Baby. You baby, baby, wake up. Wake up, baby. Hello, is somebody wake there up. to talk to me? Very frustrating. Huh? When they won't pay attention oh, to the dispatcher. Up. It's a gunshot wound. We had an intruder. I got that. Can I talk to one person? Who got shot? I've said My that wife. before. Who they came in here trying to rob us. They, they, they came in here and, and robbed us. Okay, how many were there? It was three of them. Did you they see the white, black, Hispanic? Uh, they had masks on. I can't say. Okay. What kind of, did they all have weapons? Yes, yes. they are. Bang! 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 Did they leave? Don't wake up! Wake up, baby! Wake up! Wake up! At about 2.15 a.m., the first officer arrived at the house and approached Jones, who was standing in the threshold of the front doorway. Jones waved his arm repeatedly, motioning the officer to come inside while saying, come on, come on. When the officer neared the front door, Jones raised a handgun that he had concealed by his side and shot the officer multiple times. The officer turned and ran down the street while notifying other officers he had been shot and needed help. She's choking on her own blood. Come on, bro. Come on. He's all in the house. God damn it. So what what happens is the officer walks up to the the house. The guy's standing there, no shirt on, in his sweatpants. He's bladed, and he's in the doorway. And he's saying, hey, uh, come on, bro. She's choking on her own blood. Hurry up. Come on. Come on. Come on. So the officer picks up his step a little bit. And he gets probably within, I don't, I don't know, John, five feet. And the guy raises the gun that he's got tucked on his left side and just starts firing away at that officer. He hit the officer. The officer was able to escape. And you, you'll hear him, you know, he's yelling 1099, 1099. Yeah. So those gunshots are from the second officer that arrived. He actually saw. The, the other officer, officer on shot. scene arrived just as Jones shot the first officer. The second officer fired his duty weapon at Jones, striking him once as Jones went back into the house and closed the door. Here's the body-worn camera video from the first officer who fired his duty weapon. There will be no audio for this because he activated the uh, camera after he shot. There's a delay. And there's a, yeah, there's a 30-second buffer that won't pick up. Uh, Over the next few minutes, multiple officers arrived on scene and set up a perimeter around the house. At about 2.28 a.m., Jones went outside to a small, fenced-in side yard area and shot into the air in the direction of the police helicopter overhead. You got a nut. You got a nut bar. He's shooting the helicopter, for God's sake. At about 2.32 a.m., Jones got into a vehicle in the garage on the backside of the house. Garage doors open. So remember, they had the house surrounded. The garage door opened, and Jones tried to drive away. A police vehicle parked at the back of the house prevented Jones from leaving. So he tried to get out the garage. He tried to push can be heard from Jones' vehicle as he drove into the police vehicle. 
but he couldn't get out. The car wouldn't move. It wouldn't budge. So he went back in the house and shut the door. Now, remember... The unsuccessful attempt to leave, Jones... Just remember, there are two, definitely two people in there because there are two people on the phone. They know that for a fact. ...closed the garage door and went back inside the house. At about 2.36 a.m., Lobley's brother came out of the front door holding a baby. Officers did not know this man's involvement in the incident, so they instructed him to put the baby down and walk backwards toward the officers. He followed their directions and was detained. Here's video that was captured by a photographer and later obtained by the Phoenix Police Department. This video provides a much better perspective on this portion of the incident because the related body-worn camera video is obscured or does not clearly depict the incident. Okay, so the second voice on the phone comes creeping out of the house, baby in hand. Uh, there's a little bassinet or something maybe uh, that he's carrying. He, he kneels down to put the baby in the carrier and puts his two hands up, and they start giving him commands. He was essentially a hostage, as was the baby. So he's walking backwards towards the sound of the voice. The baby is still on the ground right in front of the open door of the residence. And they're going to hopefully get him behind cover before they attempt to handcuff him. At least conceal him. As two officers place handcuffs on Lobley's brother, another group of officers move toward the front door of the house to rescue the baby. As the officers reach the front door, Jones shot multiple times, striking several officers. Lobley's brother and several other officers nearby were struck by bullet fragments that ricocheted off the ground. Here's the same event captured on a different officer's body-worn camera. Hey, come with me. Baby. baby, door, 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 door. I got the baby. I got the baby. During this round of shots, Jones was inside the house at the top of the stairs, which are directly inside the open front door. She's saying, I got the baby, but she is what she is saying is I'm going to tend to the baby. Yeah. She's, so, she's saying that she'll, that she's assigning herself the task. So the others yes, can focus. It's yeah. covered. Like the baby is covered. I got it. Yep. Unfortunately, when they get within, you know, X amount of feet, that guy's got a rifle at the top of the stairs. He just starts picking them off. I'm shot. And that's his, uh, his girlfriend's brother. It's not his yes. brother. All right. Come on. Come on. Now. Go. Here's yet another view of the event from the third party photographer. So yes, he's at the top of the stairs shooting downwards towards the baby and the officers trying to rescue it. Officers from the Special Assignments Unit, or SAU, arrived on scene and developed a plan using armored vehicles and shields to rescue the baby. This occurred at about 3.30 a.m. I need it. Here, come here, baby. At about 3.39 a.m., Jones shot at and struck an armored vehicle while SAU officers were inside it, causing damage to one of the tires. 
behind us. There's two. There's two. SAU negotiators had been talking with Jones over the phone in an attempt to get him to come out of the house and surrender. Jones did not stay on the phone. The negotiators sent text messages and left voicemails as well. Morris, this is the Phoenix Police SWAT team. We are out here. We are trying to save your life. It is very important that I talk to you right now. This is the number you need to call, the number you need to answer. SAU officers launched gas rounds into the house to encourage Jones to come out. When there was no response, the officers eventually entered the residence and located Jones inside, dead, from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. They also located the adult female victim, Shatifa Lobley, dead from a gunshot wound. Detectives later determined Jones used a handgun when he shot the officer who initially approached the front door. Each subsequent volley of gunfire from Jones was with a rifle. Both weapons were located inside the home next to Jones' body. Nine officers were injured by gunfire during this incident. Four officers received significant injuries. Five officers received minor injuries. First thing I just want to say, you know, there's there's a particular people brand of people out there that don't like guns. They want guns out of our society. A lot of them are the same ones who say defund the police. Look at this incident. You got a nutcase with a gun, killed a woman, put a baby in danger, killed himself, shot nine people, defund the police. Are you kidding me? Who's going to respond to that? Who's going to run towards gunfire to save a baby? Because unless it's you, your convictions don't mean very much to me. Drew, go ahead. I'm I'm angry. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, and, and, um, you know, there were, there were clues that he gave off during the 911 call that nobody's going to pick on and pick up on until after the fact, but you'll, you'll like things that I would have covered at trial. If I were the attorney would, would be things like, I mean, he, he just baby, baby, get up. Like, yeah. It's all a distraction. He's, he's, you know, it's it hard seems- to say when somebody is quote too calm, but he's not, he's not focused on somebody who's down after he's being phony, shot by yeah. an intruder. Right. He's, you know, in, in what you, you couldn't, you can't tell me what they look like, but you know, there's three of them because they were wearing masks. What's that mean? I mean, yeah. you know, were they wearing uh, uh, fencing masks? Like how, how do you not know at least? Well, the other thing is too, something that might've been helpful. And again, I'm not criticizing anybody, but, when you take gunshot wound calls or weapons violations calls, there's two aspects you have to focus on. The criminal apprehension part of it, identifying suspects, last known location, direction of travel, mode of travel, their appearance, the kinds of weapons they have. That's all very important. But you also have a medical emergency going on. And asking questions like, where is she shot? Is the blood oozing or spurting? Is she conscious, alert, and breathing? You know, uh, other medical diagnostic questions. You get him with this stuff, you know, not that you're, not that as a dispatcher, you're looking for bullshit, but... He, you know, he's not going to have any way of answering that because he's making it all up on the fly. Yeah. Um, you know, he's well, I mean, presumably she's already dead. So I don't know. Maybe he could just read off her symptoms as, as she's already lying there. Dead. Right. Maybe that would, would be easy for him. But the red flag is that it's scripted anyway. Like he, he's feeding lines to the first guy that's, he's, mm-hmm. hey, we had an intruder. Uh, we had an intruder. You know, like he just witnessed his sister get shot. He's, he's just repeating what the guy t- is, is telling yeah. him. He probably has a gun to him saying, we yeah, had an intruder. Yeah, he's pointing it at at the the boyfriend or whatever and the baby and just 
you know what? I don't know what happened. And, you know, Drew says we don't root for death, but anybody who takes out a gun and decides to start some shit with a baby in a room, I just, I don't have a lot of feelings about. That's just, I don't, to me, that's beyond that. the pale. I get that. Yeah. Uh, so just to put a little bow on it, um, uh, obviously, um, anything can happen in a 911 response. Yes. That's anything can happen on the way to a 911 call. It's largely important if you're a civilian out there that has misdialed 911 just to stay on the phone. Uh, John talked a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, maybe just texting to 911 if you're in a domestic situation. I can tell you the be- one of the best things to do is just dial 911 and throw the phone down so, the, uh, so people can hear what's happening or throw it in your pocket so everybody can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just uh, for the middle case, I, something I neglected to talk about, the, the family in the middle case in the Wichita uh, swatting incident. They sued the department for $25 oh, they million. Dollars. They, they did it. And up- there were, there were protesters who were putting banners up on inter- interstate overpasses, calling them a murder. If I recall correctly, cause I did watch that dick do- documentary. They were out for that officer's blood. Yeah. They ended up, uh, with a $5 million. I don't think it was a settlement. I think it was a judgment, but they ended up with $5 million for, uh, and, and it went straight to his kids. Uh, from what I understand, I mean, who cares where it goes to They, you know, those, that family is out, out a person there's no no question um just a horrible situation for everybody around and then of course bad for that police officer too i mean you know yeah I, right i like there's no way he wanted to do that like he, he didn't want to no be way. there that night no and, the, and I, I say this in jest a lot of the time but it's true like police officers want to sit in their car and eat donuts they don't want to respond to drowning kids because you're an inattentive parent or I'm not accusing everyone who's had a child lost due to drowning but um they don't want to respond to, to psychotic kids who have killed their parents they don't want to respond to people killing each other and pointing guns at babies like you know police officers you know again failure to stop is all about you know telling the truth about what goes on with police officers in light of the defund movement and police officers don't want to be doing any of this they get invited to the party and that's when stuff goes wrong they would much rather stay in their car and not respond to any of this stuff drew go ahead Listen, uh, let's wrap it up while we uh, while while we uh, can still keep our eyes open. You, um, if you want to support us, and I hope that you do, you can go to our Patreon. It's failure to stop. I'm sorry, it's Patreon.com/slash failure to stop. You can also go to our YouTube channel. I would love it if you would subscribe. I'd love it even more if you joined uh, our membership there. Listen, here's here's how we've sorted things out. Patreon is for the the uh, Audible learners. And uh, YouTube is for the visual learners. That's all. And, and you're going to get the same content probably in both places. But uh, we'd appreciate if you joined our, our programs. Either way, you're going to get bonus content. Um, I would love it if you just simply followed myself, uh, Drew, at Drew underscore Breezy on Instagram and at Difficult to Look at Pictures on Instagram because uh, that dude is brilliant and he's on fire with these uh, restaurant graphics that we've been uh, (laughs) using lately. Uh, I still want to frame the Waffle House version of the uh, comm center. I think maybe maybe I'll paint that in acrylics or oils for you. Get get you the the full-blown one. Uh, With with me sitting at the counter smoking a cig. We don't have it. Yes, perfect. Like Or like that, uh, gosh, that old (laughs) painting of the diner. We don't have any callers, do we, before we go? Because last week... Oh, I'll check... at last yeah. check, we did not. And uh, this check, we do not. Okay. Uh, so here's the thing, because uh, c- what's going to happen is somebody's going to call in right now and we're trying to wrap it up. And you've had exactly one hour and 28 minutes to do this. So uh, until next time, please call and leave us a voicemail. 
Calm 911 848 266 Nice. Watch our content on YouTube. It's going to, we're ramping it up. Watch the shorts, like it, share it. Love it if you can. I mean, I, I think that the, if you just pressing the like button even harder. Yeah, share uh, it. We're trying to get to 10,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube because that's when you level up. You become Super Mario at that level, for lack of a better do. metaphor. We're pushing yeah. towards that. So share it with a friend. If you've got cops or people that are interested in stuff or you just think someone will get a laugh out of you know my poor existence, whether it's bees or Costco, pass it on to them. See if it's something <laughs> something that they'll get into. But the best thing you could do if you like Fader Stop and you want to support us and you want to see us to keep growing is tell somebody about it because if our audience grows, everything comes from that. So let people yes. know, hit like, hit subscribe. Uh, and when you call us too, I remember someone told me once like, well, I don't, I don't call you because I don't want to miss the show. If you call our, our call in studio, you can hear it. You, you can hear the show while you wait. So you're not going to hear like, you know, dead leg breathing obscenely in the phone to you. You're not going to hear hold music or wait music or anything like that. You can, you'll hear the show while you're on the phone with us and we'll bring you on. So we encourage you to call. Otherwise, leave us a voicemail. We got a couple of voicemails this, this week. Uh, that's how we communicate with the audience. That's kind of what differentiates us from some of the other shows. So we encourage you guys to call in. Drew, how about a, a, a preview of tomorrow? Or all you know tomorrow. is that it's a big show tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mean, we had a, a big three weeks with the whole Daniel Holtzclaw breakdowns. Uh, I, listen, go back and listen to those. Those are uh, we're proud of those. I mean, Eric did a, a fantastic job at preparing us for that. For that, and um, I want you to go back and listen to those. And tomorrow is going to be a little bit, you know, on the lighter side, I'm sure. Uh, so you'll enjoy that, but, uh, Hey, interact with us on Instagram on the failure to stop uh, channel. And again, I, I would love it if you threw a couple comments down, uh, for whoever is answering those YouTube comments, because they're quite witty and probably pretty handsome. So, uh, go ahead and get those uh, comments, uh, comment on our videos and, uh, do what you got to do. Tell your aunt Sally. John is holding up his peace sign. John, do you have something else? Yeah, David J. I believe uh, left us sixty dollars, and I believe Amy left us a super chat earlier. Thanks for the super chats, guys. That's super yes. awesome of you. We appreciate that. Uh, that uh, you know that all goes to Greece to Tansy's children's skateboards, I believe. But they love it. They appreciate it too. So thanks so much for the super chats. <laughs> Just joking, of course, guys. So from uh, difficult to look at pictures, a guy named John. We call him JB, who is greasing bearings. And skateboards as we speak myself drew breezy the whole failure to stop family to include andrea update who is in the chats earlier and eric tanzi and our producer extraordinaire uh, josh deadleg from deadleg media andrew and up late <laughs> and the uh, underpaid producer yeah go to and andrea up late on yeah. uh, instagram thank you for tuning in please come back next week john loves you Guns up, giddy up, good night, America.